Good morning, New Song Church. How are you doing this morning? Let's lift up a shout of praise to the Lord one more time before we get started. Isn't God good? Man, I just love what God is doing in this church. It's so awesome to be a part of it. And I'm so, I want you to know this morning as I get started, I'm so proud of you guys. So proud of our church. So proud of what, that, that you were willing to just jump in over the past 21 days and dig into the word and dig into prayer. And man, we have seen just some incredible stuff go down over the past 21 days. Uh, God has ministered to so many people. We've heard all sorts of incredible testimonies of people just experiencing breakthrough, kids that are away from God that start taking steps back towards being in the family of God again, yes. We've heard about healings, like supernatural healing that's taken place, people who are dealing with chronic pain and it's just gone in a moment. Uh, we've, we've heard about people who are, have been needing to make decisions, needing direction, and all of a sudden doors are flying open to them. It's just been an amazing, amazing season. I've enjoyed it. How many of you are ready to eat a hamburger, right? Ready for a hamburger? But, but it's also been good. And we were, uh, on Thursday night, we, we, do, um, we do our, we start our Sabbath on Thursday night going into Friday. And we were having our, our Sabbath dinner with our family and we were going around the table and just kind of talking about what God has done in our family. And it, was, it really was so amazing. Like, we have seen in our family uh, God just bring about some breakthrough. There, there was stuff we didn't even know it was like an issue. And, and God just showed us and revealed some stuff in our kids and in our family that was just, it's been such a powerful season. And we told our kids, and, I, and I'm going to tell you this this morning. We told our kids, you know, this has been a great 21 days. And I want to encourage you as this ends to have a plan. Like, it, because if you don't, let me just tell you how it works. You're going to drift right back into what it was like last year. Yeah. So I want to encourage you to, to take some time and go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? Like, what needs to change in the days ahead so that I can not only, listen, we don't just want to start this year good. We want to finish this year good. So I want to encourage you, invite the Holy Spirit into that. And then the other thing I want to encourage you to do is if you have been one of those people that has seen God show up, do something amazing, you've seen some breakthrough take place, to let us know. E email us at info at newsongpeople.com and just share that testimony with us. You know, next year we're going to do this again at the end of the year. In fact, we're probably going to do a little fast this summer, maybe even one leading up to getting into our new building. But next year, um, at this time, like this time of year, we're going to be in a new building we're going to have a bunch of new, listen, we're going to have a bunch of new people in our church. And I would love to be able to share with them as we go into the new year some testimonies of what God did in some people's life to spur them on, to encourage them to jump in with us and, and be a part of, of what God is doing as we spend that 21 days focusing on Him, praying, connecting with Him. I want to encourage you, uh, we still have midweek prayer every week. Show up for that. We're going to continue to be praying for revival and change and and, and let God use our prayers to bring about his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. But I just want you to know, as your pastor, I'm so proud of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I believe we are, we are set up well to see God do something amazing through this church in our city to change our city, to change the world. That's what we're, we want to see happen. So thank you for being a part of that. I also want to give you a bit of a, a building update just to kind of give you, uh, you know, some info on where we're at with everything. Uh, many of you know we close. Okay, well, <laughs> this is we're we're cutting the lights now. We're gonna no. Uh, things are good. Things are good. <laughs> we're not having to cut the lights out to pay for the new building. No, we're good. Okay, so um, we we entered into a contract on this on that new space. That some of you know we're, we've got a building over here about a mile from here that is three times the size of this building. It's gonna be amazing, guys. We've been we've been working on it, working through it. It's gonna be such an incredible uh, tool for us as the church to be the church in our city. And, um, but we're, we're under contract. And when you're buying a $4 million building, it takes a while to close because there's just a lot of due diligence, a lot of things we have to walk through. Uh, we've got to get permission from the city because that building was once a call center. Now it's going to be a place of worship, so we have to get permission. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that we're going through right now. We're still kind of finishing up the blueprints and working through all the details. And I'm telling you, there's so many details you have to think through when you're building a building like this, like the kind of nails and dry, like there's all sorts of questions I've been asked lately that I'm going, I, I wow, never thought I'd have to think about that before. Uh, but everything is going along well. I, I want to invite you to do two things. One, just be praying 
Because as we, as we go through these blueprints and kind of set things in place, we want to get this right. Uh, I think, you know, like this building, we're not looking at it as a step. We're looking at it as like a building that we're going to use for years. Like we expect that uh, this building will be a campus and our future plans on the land will be a second campus. That's, that's what we feel like God is saying at this point. So we want to get this building right because we want to use it for a long time to reach this, this part of the, of the city. So just be praying for wisdom for us. Be praying for, for favor with the city. We don't anticipate having any problems with that, but just be praying over that. And then my, my last little thing is I want to encourage you. Uh, in, in back in December, we invited you to give for Heart for the House and to make a commitment to give above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings, to bring a one-time gift, but then above and beyond that, to give monthly to help us. This is an $8 million project, and we've got a million, uh, 1.2 of that right now, which is great, uh, but we need to, we want to continue to pay that down as, as, as good as we can. So um, if you committed to give, make sure you give, make sure you fulfill that commitment. Some of you in December, you were saying, we're not quite sure what we're going to do yet. I want to encourage you, don't just forget about that, but, but be a part of that with us. And uh, every little bit matters, and every bit of giving that you do is not just building a building, it's building the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing. That's what this is all about. So thank you for your faithfulness, and uh, it's going to be good. going to be good. If you got your Bible, go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. We're continuing our series, The School of the Spirit. And somebody better start my timer. There's no telling how long I'm going to go. I got some stuff for you today. You know, me and Sarah were talking the other day. This, this series has been so good. And, you know, a lot of this stuff is stuff we've been living into for a long time now. And yet going back and going over it again has just been so refreshing. And I am more convinced than ever before that if we are going to fulfill the assignment that God has called us to fulfill, that we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Like if we want to help people know God, and when I say know God... Let me remind you, we don't want people to relate to God like a historical figure or a famous person that they can't come close to. We want them to know, like walk in relationship with a real, living, loving God. And the Holy Spirit is God with us, right? If we're going to do that, that, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to help people become the disciples, fully formed followers of Jesus, who are practicing the way of Jesus, bringing about... The kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. If we're going to do that, listen, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And so today as we continue this series, I want to talk to you about being led by the Spirit. If you've got your Being Transformed journal out, that's my title, Led by the Spirit. We're talking about how to position yourself and how to be led by the Spirit. Look at this with me. John chapter 16. Jesus here talking about the Holy Spirit says, <clears throat> When he, the Spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will guide you. That word guide is the Greek word hedego. It means to lead along the way. So he will lead you along the way. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, if you remember in week two of this series, I told you that the Holy Spirit is your helper. And, that, and I told you there's this Greek word for, for helper, parakletos. It means that he's the one sent by Jesus to walk alongside you in life and help you. And one of the ways he wants to help you is not to just walk beside you and kind of observe your life, but he actually wants to walk beside you and lead your life. He wants to lead you in the direction God wants you to go. The Holy Spirit wants to show you the way, and he wants to lead you along the way. And let me just tell you, the way that he's going to lead you in is the best way possible for your life. It's not always going to be perfect because we face, we're in a world and it's not always going to go the way you necessarily want it to go. But I'm telling you, it may not be your way, but it's the best way. And so we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of of God. So the Holy Spirit wants to lead you, and you want to be led by the Spirit. So what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about two ways that we either qualify or disqualify ourselves from being led by the Spirit, and then I want to give you five specific ways that the Holy Spirit leads you. If that sounds good, say, I'm in. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for this incredible church, for what you're doing here in this house. We do. We say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And we know that you're here, and I pray that you would rest upon this word today and that you would make it a personal word for each and every person in here. Let this not be about me. Let this be about you. I pray your voice would be the loudest in this room. 
speak to everyone a specific word, that they would walk away with a deposit, not from a man, but from a God, from a king, from a Lord, from the one who created them and loves them better than anybody else. Lord, let that be true. Let that be done. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Okay, so how do we position ourselves to be led by the Spirit? Here's number one if you're taking notes. Get in the flow. Get in the flow. Now, if you were here last week, Pastor Sarah did an incredible job talking about this idea that, that the Holy Spirit wants to be in your life. And there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that takes place. If you remember, she, she took us to Acts chapter 2. And she talked about how on the day of Pentecost, these, these disciples are in the upper room. And they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak in tongues. And they were actually at that time speaking in different languages. And so they go on in the streets. And this is going down. And people are looking at them thinking that they're crazy. In fact, they think that they're drunk. And Peter gets up and he says, no, we're not drunk. He says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 16. No, this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Remember, Sarah said that he, he's pointing them back to Joel. He said, hey, this is that. This is what Joel prophesied was going to take place. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit has now taken place. Now, what's interesting is when he uses that phrase, he says, I will pour out my spirit to all people. He uses this word, this Greek word, ekheo. And that word means pour out, which that's not very revolutionary right there because that's what he just said. But it, it's not so much what the word means, is it's how it's said. It's the tense or the voice in which it's said. That word ekheo is written in the future active indicative tense, which means this. It means that when, when God poured out the Spirit that day, it wasn't just a quick pour to kind of get the gospel message started. Like, it wasn't like God was up in heaven, and he was like, okay, it's time. And he cranks it open, and it pours out for a bit, and he's like, okay, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. Because I don't want to waste too much Holy Spirit. <laughs> i got to watch the meter here. There's only so much. i got to be careful. No, no, no. The fact that it's this, this, this tense that it's in means that when he opened up the valve, that there is a flow of the Holy Spirit coming from heaven that continues to be poured out to this day. On the day of Pentecost, God opened the floodgates of heaven and poured out his spirit. And the flow of the spirit is continuing to be poured out to this day. There's a continual waterfall of the Holy Spirit coming rushing down onto this earth. The question is, are you getting in that flow? Are you getting under that flow? Paul talks about this idea in Ephesians 5.18. He says we are to be filled with the Spirit. And when he says that, be filled with the Spirit, he actually, uh, it's better translated as you are to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Or in other words, you're to continue being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a continual baptism that we need to keep coming back to. Now this is interesting because the other things that we experience related to God aren't this way. Like when you receive salvation, you don't have to be like be being saved. You don't have to like every week like get saved again. Like you receive salvation. You receive a brand new born again spirit and you have that. Now we, we work out that salvation. What, what God does on the inside, we begin to work that out into the outside. But we're not like, we don't have to get saved again. We're saved. You don't have to keep getting water baptized every week. Like we don't have to come to church every week, get water baptized, and then come into church and during worship we're all soaking wet, dripping. No, no, we have to do that. So why is it that we need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, i got a couple reasons for you. The first one is this. We leak. <laughs> if you're taking notes, write it down. We leak. Now, when I say we leak, that's a true statement, but it can also be very easily misinterpreted. We can misinterpret it as thinking that I leak, and what I'm leaking is the Holy Spirit. But listen, you don't leak the Holy Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit is not like a liquid. He's a person, and He's with you, and He's not going to leave you. He's what, what we leak, well, listen, we live in a world where there's pressures. There's all sorts of stuff that we face on a regular basis. There's circumstances in life, troubles and fears and worries and, and there's sin and there's an enemy. There's a real devil who's coming against us. And so because of all these pressures, we leak. We leak stuff like focus. We leak faith. We leak trust in God. We leak direction. We, we, we leak hope. We leak peace. There's stuff that leaks out of us that needs to be replenished by God. The fruit of the Spirit can leak out of you, but the Spirit himself doesn't leak out of you. The Holy Spirit's not going to leak out of you. But the pressures of this world can cause you 
to leak. But it's not like you, you invite the Holy Spirit to baptize you afresh and anew, and then he starts to ooze out of you. In fact, the New Testament makes it clear that that's not how it works. Now, to explain this, we got to go back to the Old Testament, to the story of Moses. You guys remember Moses? If you don't know Moses, you're going to learn about Moses because uh, our, what we're reading in the Being Transformed journal for the next few weeks is the life of Moses through Exodus. It's going to be good. But Moses is the guy who led the children of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. Ten plagues, that whole thing. Red Sea. Am I ringing a bell here? Okay, Moses. And the Bible talks about... The Bible talks about Moses having these face-to-face encounters with God. And at, the, at this time in Scripture, this was rare. People weren't having this. But he's having these face-to-face encounters with God. And the Bible says that he would come out of those encounters and his face would be radiant. In other words, like you guys remember in the 80s, they had these glow worms. You guys remember that? Anybody have a glow worm? It glowed, his face glowed. That's, that's Moses. He would come out, he'd be glowing. But, but what would happen with the glow worm is it would fade, Right? If you didn't keep it in the light, it would fade. Well, the same was true with Moses. It, it says that he would have to put a veil on, and he wouldn't veil his face because he didn't. He was so bright, he was like freaking everybody out. He would veil his face because he didn't want the people that he was leading to see that the Spirit of God was slowly but surely, the glory that was on him was slowly but surely fading away. So he would veil himself to them so they wouldn't see this. But the Bible makes it clear in the New Testament in fact, it, it takes us back to that and shows us, hey, that's not how it's going to be anymore. Let me show you this. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. We read this a couple weeks ago in our 21-day shred through the New Testament. It says, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, that's talking about the Ten Commandments. When it says it's the ministry of death, it just means that it wasn't leading to life. It really could never really lead us to true life in Christ. If it was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses Because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. So under the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the glory was passing away. That word glory means a form of existence that manifests the power of God. Who is that? That's that's a picture of the Holy Spirit. That's who he is. So the glory, the Holy Spirit was fading off of Moses. Once he had that face-to-face encounter, because he couldn't stay there, it would fade away. Now look at this, verse 8. How will the ministry of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, not be more glorious? It's saying, hey, what we got now is better. Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For if what was passing away was glorious, look at this, what remains is much more glorious. Now, because of what Jesus did through the cross, now we can be made holy through him. And we can have a face-to-face encounter with a holy God. And we can stay there. And through that, we can, we can experience the spirit of God on us. The glory of God can be on us. And it doesn't fade away. Remember, the Holy Spirit is, is God. And God says this. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Hebrews 13, 4, verse 5. I will never under any circumstances, desert you, nor give up on you, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless. So, so yes, we leak. There is stuff that, that we leak living in this world because of the pressures of this world, but you ain't leaking the Holy Spirit. So then the question becomes, okay, so why do I need to be being baptized? If he's not leaving me, if he's here, why do I need to keep be being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, here's why. Because of the pollution of this world. We live in a world where there's a lot of pollution. And that pollution, that garbage, can try to get on us and can sometimes get in us and pollute us. Now, I've got a couple of glasses up here this morning. This one is filled with water from a rushing spring. At least that's what Evian tells you, right? (laughs) Fresh, clean spring water right there, flowing Water. There's a flow in that water, right? This one is taken from the creek in front of my house. So if I, if I ask you this question, if you had to drink an entire glass of one of these, which one are you going to choose? You're, you're going you're gonna to choose the fresh one, right? If you had to take a, a bath in one of these, which would you rather have? A, a full tub full of Evian water, warm Evian water, or a full tub full of murky, standing. This, this, by the way, I didn't say this, but this creek is not moving right now, okay? I don't know if you can tell. 
but there's not a fresh flow in that creek. So which one would you rather take a, a bath in? Some of you are like, I don't want to take a bath. Listen, you don't know. You need a good bath, okay? But you're going to want the, you're going to want the fresh, right? And why is that? It, here's why. Because we all get it. We all know that water that is just sitting connected to this world, that's just sitting, that doesn't have a fresh flow coming into it, that water is going to get polluted. There's all sorts of stuff that's going to get in it. This water, if you were to come up here, it doesn't smell great. Um, it doesn't look great. There's, there's, there's bacteria. There's actually stuff. Oh, my gosh. There's stuff swimming around in there. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that was going on. There's stuff in there. That is so gross. And, and, and here's the other thing about this. You know, in the world, sometimes we get shook up. Like stuff happens. And when stuff happens, we get shook up. And when you get shook up like this, things get darker. And think, oh, man, this is, oh, okay. But, yeah, there's stuff happening up here. It's crazy. It's, it's dark. It's murky. You can't see through it. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a fogginess to that. Like, we don't want that. But, but this is a picture of what happens to us living in this world. There's pollution that gets on us. So, so here's the question. If I have, the, uh, uh, like, remember, this is a picture of us, right? So we can't just, like, you can't just dump everything out. So, so how do we... How, do we, how would we refresh this? Well, well, here's a way you could refresh it. I could take this, this jar, this container, and if I was to dip this, or let me say it another way, if I was to baptize this into a fresh flowing stream of water and completely submerge it into that water, what's going to happen? All of that stuff, a fresh flowing stream, all of that stuff is going to come out of it, and what it's going to be refilled with is a fresh flowing stream. Or if I was to take this and I was to put this under a, flesh, a fresh flowing waterfall with, you know, glacier melting water from the mountains, <laughs> what's going to happen? All that garbage is going to get filtered out. And what's going to be left is clean, healthy, living water. Water that when it gets shook, it still looks the same. Nothing changes about it. This is a picture of what it means to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're be, being filled, you're getting under the flow of the Holy Spirit. And from that place, you're able to filter out some of the garbage. Yes, we leak. And because we leak, we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit to fill us in where we're leaking. And we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit to come alongside and wash away the bacteria and the pollution that tries to get in us and on us in this world so that we have a fresh flow to give away to the world that's life-giving. Someone say, that's good. Isaiah 44.3 says this, God is the refresher and provides nourishment. How does he do it? Look at this, by pouring out his spirit on us. The Holy Spirit is able to fill up our hungry and dry hearts. When our souls are refreshed, it's like water being poured onto a thirsty land. So if you want to be led by the spirit, you need to get in the flow. You need to be being baptized. How do you do that? You simply go to the Lord and you ask him, to fill you afresh and anew. And remember, yes, he's there. He'll never leave you. But, but the, the Holy Spirit's just like Jesus. And what does Jesus tell us in Revelation? I stand at the door and knock. What he's saying is, hey, I'm here, but you've got to continue to let me in. Let me into those areas you need me let into. Jesus is not a party crasher. He's an invite-only God. And the Holy Spirit's just like Jesus. Remember, Jesus told us that. So if you want him in your life, you have to invite him in. And so here's what it looks like. This is what I do every day. Holy Spirit, in my prayer time, Holy Spirit, I need you. And I'm inviting you in right now. I cannot do this without you. I recognize your, your word says that I receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I need power for today, Lord. Your, your word says that you're my helper, that you want to lead me in all truth. I need to know what's truth today. I need to know what's wrong and what's right. I need direction from you. I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I say, would you fill me? Would you come? You're welcome here. You're welcome in this vessel. Clean out all the impurities. Show me where I need to change. Show me where I need to have a different mindset. Speak to me today. Show me the, your way. And, and guess what? He fills me up. And every time I do and if I need it again later, I'll do it again later. I'll do it as much as I need to do it. I keep be being baptized in the Spirit because I need that fresh flow. If you want to be led by the Spirit, you got to get in the flow. Here's number two. Second thing, if you want to be led by the Spirit, is you got to deal with the death. You got to deal with the death. Now, there's this interesting, uh, there's some interesting like little details related to the story of Noah and the ark. In fact, we've been singing about it in this song. The dove. But in Genesis 8, 
uh, Noah and his family and all those animals, they've been on the ark. And they've been on the ark for five months. There's been this giant flood that has hit the world. And it's been raining. In fact, the Bible says that the, the earth actually opens up and springs of water from within the earth have filled up to the point, guys, that the whole earth is flooded. That means like the highest mountaintops are covered with water. Like this is a, this is a God flood thing. Like this is a dramatic, dramatic flood that takes place. In fact, so dramatic that after the flood is over, it says that God began to breathe or hover over the surface of these waters, breathe over the surface of these waters. And it still took five months for it to dry up. Or I'm sorry, 150 days for it to dry up. 150 days. So like God pulls out the hairdryer, the Holy Spirit hairdryer or whatever, and it's still like there's a lot of water. But finally, the, the ark lands on this mountain after 150 days, after five months of being on the flood, 150 days of floating, it lands on this mountain. But Noah's trying to figure out, it, can, can we live in this world? Like, can we get out? Can we go into this world right now? And so he, he sends out some birds to kind of help him discover if this is a livable world. Because remember, guys, everything that was living on earth, on like, on soil, is dead. All the animals, all the people, all the plants, it's all dead. And so is this a livable world to step into yet? Are we, are we ready for that? So he's trying to figure that out. It says this, Genesis 8, verse 6. Then it came about at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which had been made, and he sent out a raven. And it flew here and there until the water was dried up from the earth. Now notice he sends out a raven, but, but notice the raven doesn't come back. Then he sent out a dove from him to see if the water was abated from the face of the land. But look at this. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, so she returned to him in the ark. For the water was on the surface of all the earth. So he sends out a raven. The raven never comes back. So it found something to land on. It found something to, to rest on. But the dove would not rest on what the raven would rest on. Remember that. Come back to that. Then he put out his hand, Noah, or, yeah, Noah puts out his hand, and took her, took back in the dove, and brought her into the ark to himself. So he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. The dove came to him towards the evening, and behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. Now this is, this is supernatural, guys, because a week ago he sent out the dove, she, she comes back, she, she doesn't land anywhere, but now she actually finds an olive tree, and the olive tree has like grown. Like I, I believe that after this flood, God supernaturally causes the earth to spring forth with life. He's caused this olive tree to spring up almost overnight. It says this, the, the, the dove came to him toward the evening. Behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. Then uh, he, he waited yet another seven days and he sent out the dove, but she did not return to him again. So the second time he sends her out, she never comes back. Now let me, let me explain this to you, okay? Ravens are a picture. They're, they're considered an unclean animal, and they are a picture of the ways of the world, the ways of the world. And, and, and this is what it means by that. They are willing to rest on anything and consume of anything. So when he sends out that raven, there was stuff for the raven to land on. You know what it was? It was dead bodies. It was dead animals. It was death. So the raven could find a place to rest on the dead stuff, and it would consume of the dead stuff. That's the ways of the world. But the dove, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, the Holy Spirit isn't a dove, okay? But he is, he's, he's like a dove in nature. That's what the Bible shows us. The dove would not rest on what the raven would rest on. The dove saw the death and said, I, I'm not going to land on the death. So he waits another seven days, sends out the dove again. But this time, it does rest. It does find a place to rest. And it brings back from that place a symbol of that rest. What is it? It's the olive tree. Now, in the scriptures, here's what an olive tree represents. Check this out and see if this sounds like anybody, okay? An olive tree is a symbol of friendship, reconciliation, cleansing, healing, light, victory, and richness. And above all else, above all else it's a sign of peace. Like you probably heard somebody say before, extending the olive branch. What does that mean? It's, I'm extending peace to you and reconciliation to you. This is an olive tree. What does an olive tree represent? It represents Jesus. There's a picture in the Old Testament of what would come in the New Testament, of the dove being able to rest on the Jesus in you. 
A.W. Tozer says this, the raven is able to find a home amongst the carnage while the dove is looking for a renewed earth. The raven surveys the remains of destruction from God's judgment while the dove returns with a sign of God's grace and restoration. And in the story, the dove, a picture of the Holy Spirit, would not land on death. It would not rest on death. Now, here's what I want you to see. Sin is death. Sin is death. And when we are living our life with sin in our life, stuff in our life that we know contradicts God's word and God's will, and we continue to live with that in our life, understand this, the Holy Spirit will not rest on your life the way he wants to. He'll not leave you. He'll be there. But he is not going to rest on your life and lead you the way that he wants to. Ephesians 4.30 says this. It says, and do not... Grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I encourage you, read, read Ephesians 4. Read the verses before and after. It's all about sin. It says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now think about grief for a moment. What is grief? Grief is an emotion that we experience, right? But it's an emotion that's based on love. It's not, we don't grieve because we're prudes. We grieve because we are hurting. Because why? When someone that we love or we care about passes away, we grieve. Why? Because, because our connection with them has been broken. We can't connect with them. We can't have intimacy like we want to have with them. See, your sin grieves the Holy Spirit because he wants to have intimacy with you. And he can't because your sin makes it puts a separation between you and him and him being able to rest on you the way he wants to. Listen, he's called the Holy Spirit. He's holy. God is a holy God. And so we, we've got to deal with this death because, because the Holy Spirit wants to rest on you, wants to lead you, but he can't do it when you're, when you're just continuing to live in sin. And far too often what I, what I find in the church world is we've got Christians who are living like practical atheists. Like we, we say that we believe in God, but our life outside of going to church doesn't really resemble it. And so we live a certain way, and we do certain things, and, and we just kind of, the Holy Spirit comes along and says, hey, you really shouldn't do that. And we say, here's what we do. Here's what you do. You say, shoo, Holy Spirit. And we wave him off. Your, your sin waves off, shoes the Holy Spirit, so that he cannot rest on you the way I want to. So the Holy Spirit comes to you, and he says, hey, you know, you really shouldn't be expensing that stuff at your work. You know that that's... Like you're, you're kind of stealing from your company. You say, oh, shoot, Holy Spirit. I don't want to hear that. You, you, you know how hard I work. And they're not paying me what I deserve anyway. So, you know, this is just my way of kind of getting what I deserve. Shoot, Holy Spirit. I don't want to hear that. Holy Spirit comes and you say, hey, you know, you're not married. And you're doing married things. And that's, that's, that's a sin. The Bible's clear on that. You say, oh, shoot, Holy Spirit. I don't want to hear that. We're going to get married maybe someday. And we love each other. Like, shouldn't that count for something? Shoot, Holy Spirit, I don't want to hear that. Holy Spirit comes to you and says, hey, um, what you're watching, what you're looking at, you really shouldn't do that. That's hurting you. You shouldn't be listening to that. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be drinking that much. You shouldn't be doing that. And we say, shoot, Holy Spirit, I don't want to hear that. And then here's what we do. We come back later and we're like, Holy Spirit, I need you to lead me. Show me what to do. Give me direction. Holy Spirit, show me what, what's the right path for me to go. And let me just tell you, right now, for some of you, the Holy Spirit's looking at you and he's saying, hey, I love you. I love you. And I'm not leaving you, but I can't rest on you until you deal with this. I remember one time God speaking to me this way. I had something in my life that I wasn't dealing with. And I went to the Holy Spirit about something else. And I was like, Holy Spirit, would you show me what to do? And he spoke strongly to me. He said, hey, we'll talk about that after you deal with this. Some of you, listen, you want to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. He, he's not trying to not lead you, but, but He's not walking away from you. You're walking away from Him. And what you're doing is through your sin, whether you recognize it or not, you're saying, Shoo, Holy Spirit, I don't want to hear that. You're waving off the Holy Spirit. And, and, and then you want to, Him to lead you. And I just want you to know, it don't work that way. He's a Holy Spirit. So you've got you to gotta deal with the death. Now, here's the good news. Jesus dealt with the death. <laughs> He already dealt with it for you. But you have to receive of that, and you have to do what Jesus is asking you to do. So in both of these things, get on the flow, or get in the flow, 
and deal with that. I'm going to help you with that at the end of the service. But let's, let's talk about number three real quick. Number three is this. Uh, you'll hear about that next week. Cliffhanger, right? Yeah, next week, I want you to come back. Because we're going to talk about the third thing. And this is so important to our church. We're going to talk about next week. So important. If we're going to be led by the Spirit, if we're going to be used by the Spirit of God to do what God's called us to do with the Holy Spirit, we, we've got to do what we're going to talk about next week. But let's, let's move on from here. Quickly, let's talk about how the Holy Spirit leads. I want to give you five ways, specific ways that the Holy Spirit leads. Now listen, this is not an exhaustive list. There's more than this, but I, I want to give you these five things that will help you to understand how the leading of the Holy Spirit works. All right, John 16, 13, remember where we started? We, we talked about how the Holy Spirit will guide you, and he says he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and tell you. Notice the Holy Spirit speaks. So how does he speak? Well, he speaks in a lot of different ways. Let me give you some of these. Here's the first one, and let me just tell you, this one is so big. This is the most important one. If you're going to be led by the Spirit, it has to start here. Here it is. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word. The Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me, right? Right? John 14, 26. Jesus, again, talking here. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you the Holy Spirit talking about Jesus here talking and let me remind you the word made flesh talking about the word of God is reminding us that the Holy Spirit wants to remind you what the word of God has to say he'll bring it to your remembrance right now here's the thing the Holy Spirit can't bring to your remembrance something you've never put in your remembrance <laughs> like, like think of yourself like a computer alright and, the, and when you read the Word of God, it's like you're filing stuff away in that hard drive. And you're putting it away, and you're reading the Word, and you're studying the Word, and you're putting these files away. And then what happens is, later on in life, when you need it, the Holy Spirit's able to pull up that file and go, Hey, you need peace right now? Let me show you what the Word of God has to say about peace. You need direction right now? Let me show you what the Word of God has to say about direction. You need some healing right now? Let me show you what the Word of God has to say. Let me remind you what the Word of God has to say. So you can step into what God has for you and the promises He has for you in His Word. But in order for Him to do that, you have to get in the Bible. God can't direct you in the specific will he has for you if you're not looking at, like, the overall will he has for you through the word. So you've got to get in the word. The Holy Spirit speaks through his word. Here's number two. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through peace. You know, a lot of times I'll have people come up to me and they'll talk to me about needing direction in their life. And one of the things I always tell them is, what's, what, where's, where's peace right now? Like, follow after peace. Because it's one of the ways the Holy Spirit wants to lead you is he wants to lead you with peace. Either you'll have peace, which allows you to keep moving ahead, or you won't have peace, which is a stop sign to say, okay, maybe I shouldn't continue to move forward in this. We follow after peace. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule uh, is, is this word that means umpire. Now think about an umpire. What does an umpire do in a baseball game? They call it like it is. They tell you what's happening. They tell you, hey, that was a ball. That was a strike. He was safe. He was out. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to, through peace, tell you what's really going on, what's happening, and lead you by peace. So you can know where to go, when to stop, when to go. But also, there's this supernatural peace we can have. Philippians talks about this peace that passes our understanding that can allow us to stay when we need to stay. To stay the path, even though sometimes, you know, there's stuff going on around us and it can be a little freaky, it can be a little scary. You can have this peace that tells you, hey, I need to stay put. I need to stay put. Years ago, Sarah and I, uh, we were getting ready to make, at that time, the biggest move of our life. We were, we'd both grown up in Tulsa. We were young, married. We had, uh, Gus was just a little under one years old at this time. And we had been invited by this church to move from Tulsa, the city we knew, to Dallas to be a part of this new church. And so we, we prayed about it, and we felt, we felt this peace. We felt like this is what God's inviting us to do. And so we packed up our life. We left our family behind, and we, we moved our little family of three to, to Dallas to be a part of this church. Well, we get there, and six months into moving there, uh, it, like, falls apart. 
We found out that this pastor had had a moral failure, and not just a moral failure, like multiple moral failures. It was a mess. The church's finances were, were a mess. Like this, this three-year-old church, which was just kind of barely surviving at the time, took this massive blow. And at the time, like it was like, you know, our pets' heads are falling off. Like it felt terrible, right? We were freaking out. And, and, and I remember thinking, like, did we miss it? And I remember going to the Lord and being like, Lord, did, did we miss it? And I felt really strong, really quickly. The Holy Spirit said, no, just wait. And, and there was this peace that came with that word. And I, I, I couldn't explain it to you. I remember going to Sarah and being like, you know, I don't know how this is all going to work out. But I just, I just know it's going to work out. I know we're going to be fine. And I, there's a peace that I have in the middle of this. And she looked at me and she said, I feel the same way. Now listen, Sarah is a planner, people. Like, she wants to know how things are going to go down. And so for her to have peace, I was like, okay, this is God. <laughs> well, little did I know, there was this church in Dallas called Gateway. Some of you heard of this church. It's one of the biggest churches in America. Incredibly influential church that came alongside our church, our little church, that had nothing to offer. <laughs> they came alongside us, and they partnered with us, and we actually became a Gateway church. And for the next five years, I got to serve at, at Gateway. And I got to learn how to lead in ministry and see healthy staff culture. And, and so much of what we practice today in New Song, and I, from a staff standpoint, was what I learned being a, at, at Gateway. And it was also at Gateway that this 19-year-old this, uh, boy called me one day. And he's like, hey, I, I want to help in your kids' ministry. And, and so I brought him in, and he started being my worship leader in kids. His name was David Terry. He's now the worship leader here at New Song. And, and, and not too long after that, there was this little 15-year-old teenager who signed up to be a part of my, my kids' team. And so he started serving, and now he leads our youth ministry. His name is Jackson Wilson. And, and beyond that, just what God did during that season, I discovered this, that God wanted to get me to Gateway, and he used that other church to get me where he wanted to be. And when things looked bad and things were falling apart, he, he set this peace in me, which enabled me to have the strength to stay and to not run. That's the Holy Spirit. He wants to lead you in peace. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through peace. Here's number three. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through an inner witness. An inner witness. Or you can say it like this. It's like that gut feeling you get. It's that inner knowing. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Romans 9, 1. I tell you the truth in Christ, I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. The key word here in, in both these verses is witness. The Holy Spirit bearing witness with something in our born-again spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is transmitting some knowledge to us in this kind of like inner knowing. And sometimes you'll have this. The Holy Spirit will show you. It may be just he highlights someone to you. There's been people in this church that the Holy Spirit has just highlighted them to me. There's an inner Knowing, like I remember a few years ago, we were making a transition in elementary, and I, I needed to find somebody to be our elementary pastor. And I didn't even know this guy very well, but I just had this inner knowing in me that it was Kent Warren. And I talked to him about it, and God was speaking the same thing, and he's our elementary pastor. There's people in this room that there's just been an inner knowing that, hey, you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to do something. God's called you. And I've had that. I've had that for my kids where there's like an inner knowing telling me, hey, they, they need you right now. They need some time with dad. So I go to breakfast with him, and I find out something's going on. There's this, it's just this inner knowing, this inner knowing, like, hey, I need to pray for that person. I need to, I need to talk to that person. I need to be with that person. This inner, this is, it's this gut feeling, but it ain't your gut. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, drawing you to other people so that you can fulfill the mission God has for you. It doesn't always come with exactly knowing what it is. It's just there's something there that draws you to them or to that situation or draws you away from it. Like an inner knowing, hey, don't, don't keep going that direction. There's not peace with that. There's this inner knowing that's accompanied with peace. Here's number four. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through coincidences. Listen, I think sometimes we think that God is like this cryptic God up in heaven who, like, he's going he's gonna to talk to us, yeah, but he's going to do it in, like, Da Vinci Code. Like, you're going to you're gonna have to be Nicolas Cage and National Treasure to figure out exactly what God's saying. Listen, that's not, that's not God. He wants you to get the message, I hope you know. Like as much as you want to get it, trust me, God wants you to get it more. He wants to use you. And so 
one of the ways he'll, he'll speak to you is he'll come alongside what he's saying to you or what you're feeling with these coincidences that they're not really coincidences. They're like God incidences that confirm, hey, God is, is with you right now. Coincidences is in the Bible. Jesus talked about coincidences in the parable of the Good Samaritan. The biblical definition for coincidence is this. This is awesome. What occurs together by God's providential arrangement of circumstances. It's God arranging something to where you just can't go, man, that can't just be a coincidence. For example, this week on Tuesday, I woke up and I had this pastor friend of mine on my, I just woke up thinking about this guy. And, I was, I, and so I just took a moment and I just prayed for him. I just prayed for him and his church and what he's leading. And, and then I started doing my Being Transformed journal and I get into it and I'm just a few minutes into it and all of a sudden I get a text. Guess who it was? I haven't talked to him in a couple months. He sends me a text. He's like, hey, woke up thinking about you this morning. I've been praying for you. I hope your church is doing good. Let's talk soon. Listen, you, don't, you know what that does to me? That tells me, God will do that for me sometimes just to go, hey, you're hearing me. What you're doing is right. I'm leading you. These big decisions that you're making about the future of this church and where we're going, I'm in the middle of that right now. just want to confirm that with you. That's the Holy Spirit. That, listen, that wasn't just a coincidence. That's a, that's a God working things together. And, and, I, and I've seen that over and over again. I remember when we were moving here, there was incredible coincidences. When we're moving in the city where we know no one, these coincidences that would take place that would just help us to know like, hey, God is with us. God is for us. We're going to be okay. We're going to make it. Don't discount coincidences. I love this quote. Sophie Burnham says, I have found that sometimes a coincidence is God's way of performing miracles anonymously. I found that to be true myself. Here's number five. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through warnings. Through warnings. Think of the Holy Spirit kind of like, kind of like uh, the control tower at the airport, right? So that there's all these planes flying, and the pilot, they can see to a certain degree what they're doing, but they can't see how everything works together, how everything arranges together. But there's this person in the control tower that can see the overall scope of everything. And they know how to lead the, the pilots so as there's no crashes, there's no danger. They know how to say, hey, let's, let's tweak this a little bit, let's change this a little bit so that things don't fall apart. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you with these warnings. Not, they're not designed to, to, to make you afraid or to get you scared or to cause you to like hunker down and get in a bunker and, and, and eat some beans. Like that's not the, the goal. The, the goal is that you would pray and you would by faith speak to that circumstance and invite God into it and rebuke the enemy against you. Uh, a few years ago, or almost not a few years ago, I was 13 years old, 30 years ago. <laughs> I, was, I was working at this camp called Camp Dry Gulch. It's actually where we take our kids now. It's called New Life Ranch. And I was a wrangler out there. I worked with horses. And uh, I had come into Tulsa. That camp is in Adair. It's about an hour, 15 minutes away from Tulsa. But I had come into Tulsa because I had braces and I had to get my braces tightened, fun stuff. And my mom had been praying for me. I'm grateful I have a praying mama. I hope we got some praying mamas in this room. She had been praying for me, and she had this sense of warning, this sense of danger as she was praying for me. And so she prayed through that. And one of the ways she prayed through that is by the Holy Spirit with her prayer language. But she prayed through that. And then she used that opportunity to teach me. So I came in for my little orthodontist appointment. I'm driving back out to camp. She's got an hour and 15 minutes with me, and so she just started talking to me. And she started teaching me about how the Holy Spirit leads. And and these warnings, and, and not to scare me, but just saying, hey, I want you to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying and listen to Him. And we're going to invite Him to speak to you this week. And we prayed together. And then she's like, okay, for the next five minutes, we're going to pray in the Spirit together. So we prayed in the Spirit together. And then she took me to camp, and she, she sent me off for that day. That night, that night, I was doing what I always did at camp. I was standing in front of these two giant Pertron horses. We pulled wagons full of kids. You could, these, these horses are huge. They're like the, you know, the Budweiser Clydesdales, except bigger. And they pulled these wagons of kids. And I would stand in front of them because for some reason a 100-pound teenage boy standing in front of them would keep them calm. But they were pretty flighty. They'd get freaked out really easily. So I'm standing in front of them. And the guy who's driving the team, a grown man driving the team, 
would, would get everything settled, and then he would say, okay, Josh, come on up. Now, every time I would get on the wagon, I would walk up beside, and there was a little ladder on the side of the wagon, which would, I would climb up to get into my seat in the front right beside him. And so I start to walk around the wagon, and as I get to that ladder, there's just something, something that said, get on in the back. Now, guys, I never got on this way, but I decided to go around to the back. So I walk around to the back of the wagon. I'm getting ready to step onto the wagon. And while I'm doing this, what I don't know is there's this blue tarp that's over by the horses, and the wind blows it, and they think it's like the banshee has come to pull their souls away. <laughs> so they, they go into freak-out mode. They go into stampede mode where they're just, you can be pulling on them, and you cannot stop them. These are massive horses. And so as I'm getting ready to step on the back of that wagon, it shoots out from underneath me, and it's just gone. And they start running, and I'm chasing after it because I know something's wrong. I'm chasing after this wagon. It tops this hill. And a few seconds later, I hear this bang. And I run over the hill, and I see that wagon. And that wagon has hit this tree. And the side that I normally climb up and sit on is completely crushed in. Had I been in my seat, I don't know, maybe I would have bailed off and got hurt, but I could have been killed. But I didn't have any injury. And, and by the grace of God, no one did, including the horses. But, but, but here's the thing, that wasn't a coincidence. My mom, a praying mama, prayed through that warning, protection over me. And when I needed it most, I heard the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just, hey, let's get on the back. That was the Holy Spirit going, hey, let's get on the back. Listen, that's the leading of the Holy Spirit. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Your kids need you to be led by the Holy Spirit. Your family needs you to be led by the Holy Spirit. This isn't just about you. The world needs you to be led by the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're going to do. Two things I told you about today. We're going to get in the flow, and we're going to deal with the death. The first one is this. If you're here today and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, You've never received that third baptism where you invite the Holy Spirit. You ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I want to help you do that today. Or maybe you're here today and you've received that before, but you want a fresh infilling today. And I, I, I'm expecting a lot of people to stand up. If that's you today, I want you to stand up on your feet right now. Come on. Come on. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. If you would, put your hands out in front of you. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to ask Jesus. Well, first, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, if this is your first time. Or I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a fresh infilling. You do that yourself. Ready? Three, two, one. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every person that is inviting a fresh infilling or a new infilling of the Holy Spirit into their life. Jesus, you said that you would not withhold any gift from your people. And so I thank you, Lord, that right now you fill everyone up with everything that they need, that there would be a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit, that they right now are getting under that flow. You're pouring out your spirit on these, these, this flesh, these people, filling them with everything that they need to be who it is you've called them to be. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.